secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. Before graduating from Dartmouth College and the University of Minnesota's MFA program, Matt Burgess grew up in Jackson Heights, Queens. His hometown has served as the location for both his first novel, Dogfight, A Love Story, which was a New York Times editor's choice and Barnes & Noble's Discover Great New Writers pick, and his latest novel, this January's Uncle Janice. Matt Burgess will be a guest author with Thurber House on Wednesday, January 21st. Ticket information is available at craftoftheshow.com. Welcome to Craft, Matt Burgess. Hi. Thanks, Doug. So Uncle Janice is an interesting title, sort of unexpected there with the, uh, uh, the sort of gender stuff going on there. But I understand that Uncle stands for Undercover Narcotics Officer. Yeah, that's it. Tell me more about this novel. It's about a young NYPD narcotics officer. She's um, an undercover. She's a Guyanese-American. And she's the way that it works in the NYPD, if you're because an undercover narcotics officer, such a dangerous job. No one would ever want to do it. Um, they, the deal is... If you can last 18 months without getting demoted or uh, killed, um, then they'll automatically promote you to detective. So it's this kind of career path for, um, you know, young cops without any other connections in the department. And so when the book starts, Janice is at month 17, and she's just been given a, a, a number of buys, uh, drug buys on the, on the streets that she has to make before she can get promoted to detective. And so it's about her um, trying to sort of make those lives on the street, but also deal with um, an internal affairs investigation that might be happening and deal with sort of the petty uh, absurdities of a large bureaucracy like the NYPD and some family stuff and all that sort of jumbled together into one big uh, chaotic mess, I suppose. This, uh, like uh, I think I mentioned in the beginning, was set in your hometown of Queens or in New York. So what drew you to write about uh, the police in that area, and uh, then I'm going to be really interested in what kind of research you did. The research I did, so my sort of models um, uh, for this book and probably everything I've written up till now are, are writers like Richard Price and, and George Pelicanos, who write these sort of um, social crime novels um, that sort of have more in common with John Steinbeck than Raymond Chandler. And um, what they talk about with their research is really, they do a lot of hanging out and so that's, that's how this book started. I was hanging out with a guy I know from the neighborhood who um, is an undercover cop, and I asked him, what's the scariest part of your job? Expecting him to say, you know, getting shot in the head or, or something along those lines. And he said the scariest part of his job was getting um, screwed over by his bosses. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's everyone's scariest part of their job. And it sort of gave me a way into that it was, it was it's, you know, as much an office novel as it is a cop novel. Mm-hmm. And so then, research-wise, it was a matter of sort of, you know, have, you know, hanging out with him and and walking through certain, uh, you know, housing projects where he works, and going to the NYPD, um, the Queens Narcotics offices, and sort of walking in the door and saying, you know, who's willing to talk to me about, uh, who's willing to complain about their bosses? And it turns out plenty. Yeah, that's that's a surprise that people would be willing to complain about their bosses. I know I certainly yeah. never would. You know, never, never. Okay. <laughs> well, you have great bosses, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when you do something like ask the question, who's willing to complain about their bosses, What? how do you make that into, you know, a, a character like this? And what's the process there? I mean, that's got to be uh, a large creative leap for you. Well, yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I say that, like, who's going to complain about their bosses, but the questions are never even that specific. It's mm-hmm. just sort of, tell me about your day, you know, what's your life like? 
um, and and leaning hard on sort of the undercovers that I had met. And, and just so, you know, what's nice and easy for the research part of this book is that undercover narcotics officers are by almost by definition very charming, right, mm-hmm. and uh, great talkers. And um, I think cops, for the most part, are, are pretty good storytellers already. And so it's really just a matter of sort of listening and just letting them go and talk and not having any sort of agenda one way or the other, you know, just and not having any real idea of what the plot will be. They're just sort of hanging out and and um, listening to people rap and tell stories and then letting uh, letting some larger story take shape from that. Okay. Now, when they tell you a story and you think that's a great story, how often do they say, well, you're going to have to change a whole lot about it before you can tell anybody? Or they say, you know, you really can't tell somebody this story I'm about to tell you. And uh, and you run into problems with like that. Yeah, that's, yeah. You know, the things that I would, I would have to, um, I just read this book, a really good book called The Lock Artist. And it's about um, this guy who's like a safe cracker. And he worked, the guy worked with a safe cracker, but they didn't want to be too specific about things that, you know, it could become a manual for you know, right. stealing money. And so there's a certain amount of tactics that are involved um, with undercover work that I didn't want to reveal too much, but there's a certain amount of tactics that have already been exposed on the internet or that I'm hearing about from the other side of it, which is from talking to, to um, people who are involved in um, low-level drug dealing. So if it was something that could have been verified in other places, I didn't. I, I thought it would be okay. Um, but if it was, if it was something that I thought would put an undercover's life at risk, I would never, never include that in the novel. Okay. Now I, I assume that um, Janice is a amalgamation of a lot of different people and not really modeled after a specific person. But um, as you started working with this, what kind of traits were you most drawn to to create the character? That's a really great question. So a couple of things. I knew I wanted to put as much pressure on this character as possible. Like I, when I started the book, I didn't really, I just had the job. Like with my first book, um, Doug said a little story. It was, it was, I'm just interested in the job of, of a very low level working class drug dealer. And this is the same thing. I was interested in, in undercover narcotics cop and how complicated that must be to be one person during your day and another person at night and sort of one person with your coworkers, another person with your family. And I didn't really know any more than that. And I realized, you know, to get a plot going, to put pressure on this particular character, there were certain things that would help. Like um, if she was a woman in this very male-dominated uh, profession, that would, that would put pressure on her. Um, she's a, a Guyanese person. I, I knew that, you know, statistically speaking, she'd, she'd probably be a person of color. And um, the Guyanese community is something I'm familiar with from Queens. I thought it was underrepresented in um, contemporary fiction. And I knew, too, that she was going to be ambitious. And that she was going to be, that she really wanted to chase this, this gold shield, this detective shield. Um, and because I admire ambition and it sort of t- uh, take it on this sort of negative, um, uh, not a negative stereotype, but I, f- I feel as if people are reluctant to just claim how, ambition, how ambitious they really are. And um, Janice, in my, my pleasure, was not. She was ready to go after what she wanted. What is there that you think attracts you about ambition like that? Is that something that you really tap into? Like you, you think of yourself as an ambitious novelist? I'm curious what, what there is in that. Uh, it's something that I've noticed in other people. <laughs> Probably yeah. more than myself, you know, the ambition. Yeah. But what is there that uh, draws you to that and says, I want to make this character very much like that? That's interesting. 
I try not to think too hard about like what is it about this that detracts me. Yeah, now I'm like, am I some sort of uh, <laughs> some like power mad person? I mean, I'm ambitious in the sense that I want to write the best books that I possibly can. Um, and I there was I, I had seen that a, a lot of times. Um, this is such a dumb example, but there's a Spider-Man movie where like Sandman is is being a bad guy because he has to he has to raise money to help his sick daughter or something like that. Mm-hmm. And why can't he just want to be the best villain he could be? You know, why can't it just be that? And I felt as if there was a lot of, or even um, the, the Facebook movie, The Social Network, where um, Mark Zuckerberg seems seems to be, he's motivated in that movie because a girl broke up with him. When probably it was really just, you know, he wanted uh, to make a name for himself and to make something awesome. Um, but whether he did is debatable, but I mean, no, not really. It is pretty incredible what he did. And so I felt like sort of bringing ambition back into narratives was something important to me and where Lady Macbeth is so ambitious and how that can really try the story. Mm-hmm. Just ambition for ambition's sake. Right. Does your character then not ever wash her hands? Uh, uh, like Lady Macbeth? Yeah. Just, just, right. sorry, she can't yeah, stop right. washing her hands. Well, <laughs> she's OCD. Yeah, exactly, right. Yeah. It was important to me too, like as we're talking about this, like other things that I found attractive about Janice as I went along was that um you know, she was occasionally very strong, which I was impressed with, and occasionally not, you know, and that she sometimes made dumb decisions and and I think that, you know, again it's a sort of character I was writing against, which is sort of the, the, the super powered character who's strong all the time and is like a role model. Where I'm hoping that Janice is much more um reflects the people that I know and, and myself uh, included where yeah. I'm occasionally very dumb and make stupid decisions and feel bad about them. And then the next day I'm someone else entirely. I've done a, a little bit of fiction writing. It's one of those things that um, I find really fascinating about it is you get trying to think about a character's motivations and you think, like watching movies sometimes, especially like horror fiction movies, you're like, don't go into the house. That's just yep. stupid. <laughs> and that, yep. that you, But you figure if you don't have somebody make a bad decision you can't have that that moment you know if, if speaking of uh, police books um silence of the lambs is that moment where she's deciding to go into the house to chase the killer and uh right. and you're, you're just i mean i'm sitting there going well i'm calling for backup i'm not that person i can't identify with that i would never go into right that. but that's why i'm not a cop um was well, that yeah exactly i mean <laughs> but don't you believe that clarice would Right, like yeah. that's the thing. Like when you're watching a horror movie, and and the person getting chased runs up to the second floor instead of running out the front door, you're like, why would you ever do that? But it, when it, when bad decisions work in fiction, it's because you can see there's something about that person that 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 they didn't know was a bad decision, and that they're smart. You know, Janice is smart despite making some some boneheaded moves. Um, you know, like like the rest of us. But at the time, you know, for in the Silence of the Lambs, it was. She's an ambitious person, and this is her chance to get that guy, and she's going in. She's not waiting for backup. Right. What if, what if that guy slips through her fingers again? And so, like, to see, to have that pull where you can see where she's coming from, but you're like, oh, no, don't go through that door. That's a very exciting moment for me in yeah. storytelling. Yeah, it's a great moment. Um, you know, there's, yeah. there's always that part of me that I think that the differences in characters and everything, because, uh, you know, as a more sedentary person, I'm not going through that door. And I'll watch them right. go through the door and, and feel a great amount of anxiety for her, which is what everything yes. they're going for there. As long, too, as you're not like, con- like if, if, if you can't see why she would go through that door, then it becomes this condescending thing. You're like, oh, you're a dope, right? <laughs> like, I don't know why Ahab is so, you know, stop chasing that whale. I would never do that. But right. I guess that he, I understand that he would. Yeah. 
you've written two novels now that have their setting in New York. Yeah. But I think you're living in Minnesota, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So are you contemplating a Minnesota novel to, uh, you know, break it up? Are you coming back to New York? I've read it in interview that um, writing about New York is a way to keep yourself from feeling homesick for it or words along well, those lines. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't keep me homesick. It, it sort of maybe just bombs it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say that I wouldn't write a Minnesota novel, but right now Queens is, is what I daydream. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to go to my desk and return to that neighborhood and, and the people I know um, to think about them on the other side of the storytelling too, like to think about like I'm telling the story to them, those people and my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes the writing for me um, easier for whatever reason, and and I don't know if I could do that while I was in New York, um, or if I moved back to New York. Um, so, but right now it's working. Okay. And they, or I don't know if it's working, but it, I'm I'm happy to be writing. So that's yeah, amazing. yeah, I'm I sure suppose. that's yeah. great. Well, Matt Burgess, I want to thank you very, very much for talking to me today. And again, we're, I'm looking forward to your coming to the Thurber House on Wednesday, January 21st, and reading, uh, I, I believe, from the latest novel, Uncle Janice. Yeah, thank you, Doug. For more information from my guests, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is Doug Dangler. Until next time, be creative. <laughs>